Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is Lola Priego, founder and CEO of BASE. Lola studied medicine at the Technical University of Madrid in Spain and received her master's degree in computer science and artificial intelligence at the Illinois Institute of Technology. It was through her own struggle to fix day-to-day health concerns via multiple doctor's visits, lab work, and endless questionnaires that Lola became convinced that there had to be an easier, faster way to get to the root causes and find solutions through base. Welcome, Lola. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and dive right in. Can you share with us a little background on yourself and what got you started? Definitely. I guess that it all started, as you mentioned, you know, uh, growing or starting my career, blending science and engineering. Um, after that, you know, I came to the U.S. about nine years ago to do a master's in artificial intelligence, as you mentioned. And then from there, I started working in big tech. So cutting edge technology for developing cutting edge technology for Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, And as I was growing my career as a software engineer, I experienced chronic fatigue. It's 3 p.m., you cannot power through your tasks, it's hard to like manage different projects. Or, you know, it's 5, 6 p.m., you wrap up work and you don't feel like hanging out with friends, family, you know, go to the gym, absolutely anything. You just want to go back to the couch and watch TV. I knew that something was up because that's not like me at all and you know as a very data-driven person you I went to Dr. Google at the time and I found so much conflictive advice from you have to sleep eight hours a night to work out you know five times a week or three times a week you know like it was just a myriad of advice that felt really generic but one in particular stood out And that one was the keto diet. This was early 2017. And, you know, after doing some research and, you know, that medical background comes into play, it made a lot of sense that, like, you know, that diet, in addition to, you know, uh, doing its work for weight loss, because, of course, it stabilizes your sugar levels too, it gives you more energy and removes that brain fog, right? Like midday brain fog. What happened is, you know, three months later, I was feeling really off, uh, even worse than before when I started the diet. So at the time, I did more research, put a list of lab work together that I wanted to get done, went to the, to the doctor, managed to get those approved, although it was challenging. And that was my aha moment, because what I saw was that I was severely deficient in vitamin B12 and folate. I will have never figured that one out. But that long-term keto diet, to top it off, uh, gave me cholesterol issues and and, uh, hormonal imbalances, which is, you know, uh, it was very discouraging that as I was trying to fix my energy issues, I chose one solution that maybe helped a little by establishing those sugar levels, but because that was not the problem, it actually didn't quite help, but, you know, it added, you know, another series of issues. Um, and I was, you know, someone that was very data-driven, motivated, uh, but, you know, didn't manage to find success on my own. And that's, you know, when I realized that we need this data that we don't think about, the lab data, right? When you have 
when you want to lose weight and you can't when you have chronic migraines or chronic anxiety right instead of jumping to prescription right off the bat like sometimes it's worth looking into your hormones and cortisol levels to see how that's you know uh, coming into play for your chronic anxiety so I think you know at the time for me it was clear that I spent my career at the time developing technology and personalization tools to help people shop more or engage with their phones more often right or you know like it's great to to entertain people and help them connect to each other but at the end of the day I saw a huge opportunity to bring personalization tools to healthcare and wellness. My goodness, thank you so much for the background. And there's so many different ways that we can take this to. I think you're touching on such incredible topics between one, the evolution of technology, right? How much it has advanced over time. And not only the fact that it has advanced, but it's advanced to provide us with more meaningful, more digestible information. And you're touching on a really, really key concept here in the medical space, which is going to be that personalization. I know we definitely want to touch on that too in just a little bit. Because at the end of the day, it really sounds like not only are you providing consumers with the ability, the empowerment to take control of their own health, but you're also democratizing access through technology as well. Because you spoke to how your own personal experiences uh, your your visits to the doctors, it seemed like a pretty much a cookie cutter approach. It's a one size fits all. There really wasn't necessarily anything that was too key, uh, kind of catered to your own personal needs. And because so, you weren't able to prov- get provided with the right amount of information that was purely specific to your own health, um, your health needs. And now through the, the use of technology, through perhaps um, the digital application, and ultimately, the entire e- experience that you're providing your customers through base, you're able to open up this this kind of like access now to more custom tailored solutions to individuals. And that in itself, there's so much power behind this, and I definitely want to touch on that. Um, however, one thing that you kind of called out from early on is just your journey to get to where you are today, right? It's fascinating the approach, the very nonlinear but beautifully nonlinear approach that your career has taken you. And I'd love to tap into that a little bit. So thinking about more along the lines of the traditional corporate setting and experiences that you had, um, you experienced such incredible learnings, I'm assuming, with working with just larger enterprises like the the mega tech giants of Facebook, Instagram, Amazon. My goodness, the, the, the pathway is fantastic. So I'd love to understand what are some top learnings that you experienced during these time? I guess um, the top one is going to be putting users at the core of what you do in KPIs, right? For me, uh, and I recall specifically at Instagram, you know, when I was coming from Amazon and, you know, which is a big corporation and, you know, I was coming up with all kind of ideas for processes and all of that. At the end of the day, the way an employee gets evaluated when you're working at Facebook or Instagram is through how much are you contributing to top line time spent, right? Uh, how much are users, you know, how much what you're doing at the end of your day is contributing to this company-wide KPI, right? Or at Amazon, right? Like everything on how you get evaluated is like how much you put like the customer at the core of what you need, right? Like through customer obsession, that is one of their top company print leadership principles. 
So I think, you know, this is something that it's really helpful because the way that we operate today at base reflects a lot my learnings in Amazon, Facebook and Instagram because everything that we do is like, hey, are we helping users at the end of the day fix their fatigue, their digestive issues, uh, unlock, you know, learnings for the weight loss journey that eventually help them understand why, why it plateau and fix that. Right, so it's not necessarily, you know, when I went to uh, the latest conference in health um, and I was talking to other founders, it was very interesting because they were talking about their NPS score, right, and like how actually they could hack it and what was the best timing to send people an NPS survey, right, because then uh, they go to payers and they get more money or they get deal or close more contracts because of you know, that way of hacking NPS surveys. And that's kind of like the KPA that they are tracking, which is so interesting because they either track NPS or top line revenue and, and things like that. And for us, we truly track, like, are we fixing users' problems, right? Um, I think, I, I am not going to say that this is better or worse because at the end of the day, like, we'll see who wins at this race of building a successful business. And maybe, you know, that's what you need, but like, I'm hoping, you know, and I am a huge believer in business karma. And of course we also track top line revenue. We have to as a VC backed business, but for us, where my mind is at, it's like, if I really focus and nail this down and crack the code on like how to help people solve their issues, the other things will come. And the great business will come, right? Like, because there's, you know, of course, a lot of money in healthcare and, and wellness, but, you know, we want to be focusing on that goal and mission, right? And really hope that we manage to find the, the business models that fall into place uh, with that objective in mind. Mm, this is incredibly refreshing because, and correct me if I'm wrong too, but it really sounds like you're putting purpose over profit, right? And what's really clear to me too, and it truly resonates with my own thought process as well, is that, you know, I get asked constantly, like, hey, Aloisa, what's your favorite customer acquisition strategy? And every single time my response is, my favorite customer acquisition strategy is retention. If I can retain my customers, if I can keep them loyal, if I can keep them satisfied, if I'm providing the true actual solutions to their problems, they're going to stay. And the beauty of that is, is that if they stay a loyal customer, then perhaps they can also encourage their friends and family. And now you're encouraging word of mouth referrals. And now you're creating this like really virtuous cycle of attracting and retaining customers to your brand. Would you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's, I mean, like it also like your unit economics wouldn't work. Right. If if what you're trying to build is a subscription business and then like people that come in like leave and, you know, your Cactual TV rate, which is purely not going to work. And specifically for us, because the way we've priced our product and our model is truly about building a support system for people. Right. So, you know, if you go or see any of our competitors and their pricing for a test, it's slightly higher than us. And it's primarily because their users don't come back, right? And they just focus on selling tests and maybe the experience is not ideal, right? Um, but they're just in the, you know, on the 
selling test business. And I always, you know, say like, I'm not, you know, our business is not to sell tests. Maybe that's our core business today, but like, it's truly, you know, to build a health OS uh, that will help people navigate the healthcare system from a, you know, a personalized standpoint and a data-driven standpoint. I think, you know, uh, at the end of the day, backgrounds tell you a lot about a company, right? And if you see someone coming from business and, you know, like they're going to be really solid on that kind of perspective and uh, being really good at building a, a sustainable business quickly from the get-go. And, you know, my strengths are mostly coming from product and engagement because that's where my background is, you know, coming from engineering and, and science and, you know, med school and, you know, products that have been really engaging. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, what I think that base is going to be great at is exactly as what you said, like engaging and helping people. And what I, you know, admit that I've been working a lot on is bringing the right experts to also figure out our business model in a way that we manage to build a sustainable business as well. Mm. So you're touching on a lot of really important topics here, especially when it comes to just honestly being the role of the founder, right? You are constantly trying to think of the strengths and the opportunities that your current team has and then building an infrastructure, building a core group perhaps that could be potential investors, right? So I'm kind of diving in now into the current state or perhaps even over the past year. Um, an important milestone that BASE had faced was closing a seed round fund, right? During the pandemic amidst everything. Um, congratulations on that. And I think there's so much to be said here. Um, it's by no means an easy process whatsoever. So I'd love to understand, can you talk about your own personal experience? Um, perhaps if there was just anything that was clearly top of mind throughout that entire capital and fundraising process in early 2021? Yes, and actually we are just closing uh, this week, uh, doing the final close of our new round. Uh, so super exciting, I can't share who's participating yeah, but we have a huge corporation behind, um, given like how much growth we experienced in 2021. So I can, you know, I can give you an idea about both. Maybe I cannot share too many details of the latest one. But at the end of the day, for me, fundraising, that, that round that got announced in early 2021 was unsolicited. Uh, so we were super lucky. Um, we are in a hot market and, you know, having, as you mentioned, my background being different than other people in this market right like so adding a new perspective coming out with this idea of you know healthcare personalization based on your lab data it seems attractive to some investors so for us that round was relatively straightforward but you know like actually this latest round was the one where the more that the company grows, the more that you have to prove as well. So it's not all about like FOMO. It's also like, you know, show me that people want this. Like show me that the market is craving a solution. Show me that people are actually engaging with the, your product, you know, in a month-to-month in -month basis. And this round was also unsolicited. So super happy about that too. We have a big corporation behind it. But I have to say that, you know, leading up to this round, there's been a lot of hard work on figuring out product market fit, right? Like what's the actual user journey? Because our thesis here is, hey, people 
have problems and they don't know how to solve them, right? Like whether it's migraines or weight loss or chronic fatigue or Hashimoto's disease, right? Like at the end of the day, you don't know what are the things that are going to keep you healthier. You don't know when you go to Whole Foods or when you go to, you know, the market, what are the groceries that you should buy to have more energy or lose a couple of pounds or be less anxious. So that's our thesis, right? Like how can we plug in this data into personalized shopping, into, you know, like guiding people through solving their main issues and so forth. And what are the different plans and user journeys that people naturally are gravitating towards? So because we are a new consumer behavior, right? Like we're launching this new consumer behavior. There's been a lot of like, put the basic product out there learn about the different user journeys, what are the most prominent ones and like build your product around it. So working backwards, which has been, has been really interesting too. Like, you know, suddenly we would see people that have tested 10 or 11 times. So every month since we launched the product and the product was definitely not prepared for that or designed for that, or like, you know, we ever thought that we were going to have like that type of power user so like going back talking to them you know building a product around it was really important to also um, sell a cohesive and coherent story during this latest fundraise on like how are we going to build a multi-billion dollar business yeah so it sounds like you know this is such an interesting topic because a lot of the times um, especially in the the vcp space the question always is do you have product market fit and what's beautiful about the way that you described how you were able to kind of tell that story to not only just potential investors, but also to your customers as well, is that you really took them through the entire customer experience. I'm assuming that it sounds like you really stress test every single scenario with your customers, um, perhaps gathering feedback from your customers to better understand where are the ways or other, other opportunities to be able to improve not only the product, but also just the ultimate experience too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's all in one, right? Like, it's not about the VCs. So going back to even our original conversation, if you really focus on building a great product, right, and like delighting customers and, you know, getting great retention, you still have to focus on like having great unit economics and, you know, selling your story because you don't want to fall behind. Uh, but like that's that should be your core focus and then our secondary focus is the other thing so I like to spend my time or usually how I prefer to spend my time is 70% product product and of course uh, go to marketing marketing strategy and messaging and understanding our core audience because it's 360 um, to then you know spend 30% of my time uh, making sure that there's money in the bank we have the right resources right like our business is going to grow in a sustainable way and so forth. But first it's like, is the core and the building block there? And then let's, let me make sure that, you know, pricing makes sense. CAC is adjusted, like LTV is trending positively for, you know, having those like three to one unit economics and so forth. Sure. That's a fantastic breakdown. Um, I, I'm curious then for those who may not necessarily be aware too, or who are just actively learning, right? I want to talk about the broader 
kind of a subject of the healthcare system. And then also perhaps too, how technology and digital technologies have been able to evolve so. So with that being said, kind of taking a look at the shift that the pandemic has created, how have you seen digital technologies play a role in creating more of an inclusive healthcare system, democratizing the access as we spoke to earlier? I guess that we've seen all kind of approaches and directions and the most exciting thing if we are time this to the pandemic is that it accelerated everything in all kind of directions, the good ones and the bad ones. Uh, I may have my opinions about, you know, direct to consumer solutions that directly, you know, right off the bat offer prescriptions, you know, without testing. I totally have my uh, opinions there because, you know, I think personally it's, it's crazy that you see a Facebook ad and you can jump onto anxiety medication right off the bat. Right. Like I think that there should be some kind of that should be paired with like, you know, therapy solution and, uh, you know, like a test and, and seeing things through uh, a bit more with more diligence. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it is a change for the good because, you know, making things more accessible would never be a bad thing. Right. Like or putting users at the core center of their health is never going to be a bad thing. Making what we call home hospitals, uh, right, instead of hospitals, uh, which at the end it boils down to making things more accessible, it's a great, you know, a great change because also you're making health a little bit easier, right? You don't have to like think about how are you going to get a doctor's appointment. You can literally Google that out and like, you know, whether it's K Health or a different other company, right? Like hop in a, a video consultation or chat consultation with a doctor. And that's honestly amazing. I've, you know, I do that myself. Um, and I actually hop onto telemedicine too through the pandemic. And it's just like so nice. Right? I don't think I can ever go back to the traditional PCP doctor office visit uh, after, you know, experiencing telehealth. Um testing at home through COVID, like it's just so amazing as well to see that, how that's evolving. So I think, you know, um, for me, the pandemic has definitely been, and I think probably everyone uh, would agree, you know, it's been, it's it catalyzed so many great changes um, because even the ones that I said, like, well, some could not have been like in, the, in, in a good direction, but at the end of the day, I do think, you know, if it's making things more accessible, I may agree or disagree with that being the right solution. But what I would certainly say is it's a change that was needed and it just expedited things, which is great to hear and see. Um, as for digital health in general, um, as an industry today, I think we still have a lot to do when it comes to pricing. And, you know, the payers and how the entire system and what I said before about NPS uh, surveys and founders being focused on that and then selling that to payers and then, you know, payers not putting like users outcomes sometimes at the forefront and having that like the healthcare system in the U.S. Uh, still looks very corrupted to me, especially, you know, coming from Spain where, you know, I, I actually just kicked off the egg freezing process in Spain just because, you know, pricing is like, you know, $2,000 versus $40,000 in the U.S. Uh, and, and, and a lot of those, 
nuances or a lot of those pricing elements to me feel very outdated in the US. So whether the pandemic is making things more accessible from you know a standpoint of you, you can hop on a phone call with your doctor, I still think that there's a long journey to make things even more accessible from a pricing standpoint. Mm. So you're definitely speaking to a lot of not only one exciting movement that we've already experienced over the past couple of years alone, um, but also future facing too, you know, thinking about more broadly about the opportunity. What's exciting you the most about the overall evolving healthcare system and perhaps the entire landscape in itself? Well, personalization, as I said before, just putting users at the core center of it, being able to use cutting edge technology to scale doctors' times and knowledge, because that's what's going to eventually reduce pricing, right? Like if you're if you manage to uh, create technology that it's still safe and ethical, but at the same time it's scaling doctors' time, so you can reduce cost. It's where the key uh, of things are going to basically where we are going to find the most success when bringing that personalization and, and cost reduction to healthcare. So that's personally as someone that you know is coming from tech. Uh, has studied engineering, uh, you know, this is super exciting to me. Mm, and I definitely think it's coming full circle to to why you stepped in this space in the first place, right? You didn't want that cookie cutter approach. You didn't want that one-stop shop. You wanted something that was truly personalized to you. And I think that in itself has really crystallized, it seems like, your entire thesis for how not only you're currently running base, but also where you're thinking about it going into the future. So on that note, any exciting things that we can expect from yourself and base? I guess um, we are going to be launching, as I mentioned, like different user journeys. So supporting people through a better shopping experience, you know, like something that it's going to launch at the end of this month is the integration with Amazon, uh, which we are super excited about, uh, where people are going to be able to buy direct or to add to their Amazon cart uh, directly products recommended in their base app uh, based on their results and their goals so like hey if you're experiencing chronic migraines and we look into your test results and it looks like you have anemia and iron deficiency and that's where these are coming from or magnesium deficiency right uh, being able to give you specific products that will help improve those levels that are the root cause to your migraines and you being able to directly add those to your you know, Amazon cart from the app is something that we are super excited about. Oh, that's incredible. Definitely looking forward to that. Well, uh, final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? Connect with other female founders. There's nothing quite like it. You know, especially we've talked about fundraising. It is hard at the end of the day. And even for base, uh, we have had an relatively easy journey but there still have been tough conversations or a couple of no's you know while you're gauging the market and it's always been super helpful for me to be surrounded of other female founders and you know supporting each other through through the good and the bad it's to me you know critical to my, to my mental health throughout you know your uh, founder journey Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you, Lola, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out BASE, a data science app paired with at-home lab testing to help you improve your overall health. Looking to hear more about what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.